Hi, welcome to Sonic Dorms. Thank you for joining our tempo. Thank you for joining our treble. Yep, and on today's episode, me and Dandelion are going to be discussing uh, something that uh, we've been meaning to discuss for quite a while, uh, and that is Britney Spears. And it comes on the heels of a the latest episode of the New York Times Presents. Uh, you could find it on Hulu. They did an episode called Framing Britney Spears. I believe it's episode six of the series. Um, came out a couple weeks ago or so. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it gives some incredible insight on what's going on in the world of Britney Spears nowadays while still throwing out, uh, throwing you into uh, her past and kind of what brought her to where she is now or where we yeah. suspect she is now, I should say. And we kind of want to highlight the fact that we're celebrating her music and of course we're concerned about her and this whole free Britney movement, but instead of focusing on that, like we we kind of wanted this like little mini sewed series where we delve into um like the greats that exist. And starting with Britney Spears is is it just felt right because I'm such a pop, like female diva type of person. I'm not one of them, but but I love them. And I felt like she was a good one to start with, especially like you said, we're we're going off the heels of this this really interesting documentary from what was what was it, New York Presents or Yeah, the New York Times Presents. Yes. And um it's on Hulu if you haven't watched it. It's really interesting and we were just about to get into how interesting it was. And then we were like, we should probably record this. It was, it was a really interesting documentary because, because it wasn't um, like cheesy and trying to um, make Brittany look bad or make somebody else look good or, or something like that. It was really, it was, um, I would say it was a little bit more diplomatic than that. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, the, we were saying that it starts out, kind of going through a brief of her career, she really kind of came onto the scene in the late uh, 1990s, I would say 98 or 99. And um, her first album, which was, uh, I think it was, I think it was just Britney Spears was, or no, it was baby one more time. Why did I think it was? Mm -hmm. And um, she was like performing at, like actually she she got her start as a kid like her her mother and father didn't really know what to do with her because they were like we're you know not the wealthiest people from Louisiana and we've got this like really talented little girl um and she eventually tried out for the Mickey Mouse Club on Disney and got a a role like being a a sketch actress and a sketch like artist down there which was really cute and that's where she met like justin timberlake and christina aguilera was on there and um the girl that played felicity carrie russell and ryan gosling there's just like a bunch of of people that became like bigger stars as they got older and uh she was one of them and i just remember being in early middle school and seeing britney spears with baby one more time. And I think every girl was like, she was like 
the second coming of the Spice Girls, but she was alone. <laughs> and we all wanted to be her. <laughs> yeah, uh, she, um, and, and where she comes into the picture is really in like the pop culture sphere of the mid to late 90s is interesting because during that time, uh, in pop music, it was all about the boy bands, as is mentioned in the uh, the framing Britney Spears episode of the New York Times Presents. It was uh, there wasn't really. I mean, Spice Girls uh, were were you know they were there, but it was kind of like that was beginning to subside a bit by yeah. the by ninety eight ninety nine. Like they, I think it had hit its peak by then. So like Definitely. everybody was waiting for that next big thing, and that's when uh. Britney Spears comes on the scene and baby one more time is the song, right? That's the big, that's the big debut for uh, the debut single for Britney Spears. And uh, I I just thought it was interesting um, looking into the history of that song. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew this, but uh, apparently when she went in to record the vocals for that song, uh, she had stayed up late the night before listening to tainted love by soft cell because she had wanted, she had considered that, uh, a quote unquote, a sexy song. And she yeah. wanted to get like inspired and get that kind of growl in her voice. Uh, again, that's something that you wouldn't normally associate with Britney Spears, like right. you know, a, a, a new wave um, kind of song uh, from the early eighties, like tainted love by soft cell. Um, and then Britney Spears are like, what? That's pretty cool though. And yeah, it, it kind of ties into something that I don't think a lot of people uh, realize and that's that Britney Spears actually is a very talented artist I just don't think I think that she obviously went into this crazy um, insane uh, pop world and kind of just got sucked in uh, yeah. I mean I, I read yeah go ahead um, I was just gonna say she's also a really really talented dancer like she's like I, in comparison to like Christina Aguilera or like Jessica Simpson, um, her voice is amazing. And her voice, I, I actually did dig into like YouTube to see like what her raw vocals sound like. And she really doesn't have that, that baby, that baby voice thing down. She more like, arguably, I think her voice would have been really suited for jazz, like, like deep, almost I wouldn't say Amy Winehouse but even like a Nora Jones type like if you switched her to singing like I don't know why I didn't come I think she would have like kind of owned that kind of like deep sultry voice she does have something really sultry to her voice but they just like like imagine Nora Jones trying to sing baby one more time it would I mean I'm not I don't think it would sound the same but it's just like it's trying to push somebody who's like super talented into singing like this like almost like easy easy like bop like (laughs) if if you will it it um as she as she progressed she sang I mean even in her first and second albums she sang some more complicated songs but uh she if you dig into youtube she had a really beautiful voice her belting voice is really is really nice and then i dug further and was listening to some of her not more recent but but later than her first and second album and you can kind of hear that like that baby voice is kind of ruining her her like actual vocal ability 
And I think because she was an amazing dancer and she also had this talent of singing and she's also beautiful. They just were like, you're going to, you're going to be this like, because you can do it, you're going to do it. And that's kind of what it feels like to me. And maybe she just didn't, I mean, she did say in the documentary that she, she was in control of her career and she like did do what she wanted. And maybe, maybe she felt like she was going in the direction that she wanted to, but I even as somebody who who has been signed by a small label, there is there's a certain level of control that the the people that are helping you go along do want to have over your artistry. And you're like, uh, well, then you're taking away from me being like an individual artist and it's now like a package almost. And she's yeah. obviously very packaged. It's not it's not um uh it's not invisible that she's not packaged <laughs> that's not the right word but you know i get what you're saying yeah I, I think i think that's really that's something that the uh the episode of um this series really gets showcases as far as like it really gets into how just twisted the music, the pop music industry in particular can be on artist. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's, they can really suck you in and cause the artist harm in the long term. And like all these handlers get attached to the artist yeah. and then it becomes really difficult to break away from that. Especially when you're, I take it Britney Spears as someone who comes from these really humble roots and it kind of reminds me a bit of the Elvis Presley story in a lot of ways. And that Elvis yeah. Presley was someone who came from very humble roots as well uh, and just became this insane, you know, pop star. Obviously, you know, show brought rock and roll out to the masses in a way that had never been seen or done that way before, packaged him like yeah. this product as well. It was managed by somebody who basically started to take full blown control of everything that, you know, revolved around his life. And at the end of the day, ended up running him into the ground really because uh, the pressures and the struggles and the, to maintain and to perform the way that they were running his show Mm -hmm. ended up becoming over the top to a degree that he, Elvis couldn't, you know, just couldn't deal with, with that kind of, uh, immense pressure anymore and began to you know succumb to drug use and there's a lot of instability with uh mental health and whatnot and i see a lot of parallels there with britney spears as far as like what the machine can do to someone like that you know and the irony is that she's i mean if you think of all the royalty of of music like the king of rock she's the princess of pop then there's the king of pop and there's so much there's so much of the world that they have to hold on their back to to maintain a title as such um like i mean king of pop being michael jackson there's a right. lot of that happened there and um i mean there's even even in people who aren't royalty in music like for instance uh the artist jewel who was like kind of big in the 90s like she was a 
folk singer from Alaska. And she, I think she grew up in a trailer. And then they they really like they saw that she was like, you know, pretty. Maybe we can switch her into pop. And they gave her this song called Intuition. And she's lucky that like like I think it was Gillette like bought her song to use in one of their razor commercials. Otherwise that song was a flop and that video was atrocious. And I think she, she kind of knows like she got like bought by the music business by them telling her like, it's time for you to switch into pop. And like, I think maybe they like the industry learned from their mistake in that regard, because obviously Taylor Swift had a really smooth transition from being like country to pop. Uh, but they, <laughs> I'm, they made mistakes in the past on how to do that. So I think with Taylor Swift, they just hit the mark because time and, and knowledge helped them with that. Um, I mean, that's not to say she wasn't already like country pop herself, but uh, and she's a completely different artist, but, uh, it, I think, yeah, you're right. The pressures of, of what, of being the princess of, of pop, like really got to her in 2007, but, um, tracing back to her, like her music, like her, I think her first three and even four albums, which is actually to say a lot more than a lot of artists that I love more than Britney arguably can say that like she has solid, like she has solid albums. Like she is a songwriter. Not all of her, her songs are hers, but when I, I read that, um, every time that song, every time she wrote that song and like, that song is deep. Like that song is, maybe they made it seem like it was less deep than it was because she's, you know, princess of pop and Britney and like they had her running around in, in like a button down t-shirt in her music video. But that song, if you watch her perform that, like I've, I've like been brought to tears watching her perform that thinking that that was like the, the moment she was stuck in when she was writing that song. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like the song lucky, but less, you know, processed and, and cutesy. Like it really is. It's quite sad to listen to that song. And I actually have been teaching one of my, or one of my uh, voice students that song. Cause she kind of has like a softer, like vocal palette. And I, it's, there's a lot of like different vocal switches in that song where she goes from like being in middle voice to head voice to middle voice to, belting head voice and it's just it's a good song to exercise that for this particular um like like singer and and vocalist but I said to her I was like this song is a lot of soul too like it's it's not just technique like you kind of have to feel the song and I'm sorry to have to like put you in a place of sadness like the song is but to achieve what this song is really like singing and, and to achieve those vocal techniques, you kind of actually need to feel what this, the song is, is saying to like, you know, throw your voice into that, that sort of, uh, darker, sadder tone. And that song is, I don't know, that song is probably one of my, my favorites of hers. What, what songs do you, what's your favorite Britney song? 
Uh, um, I would have to say, don't let me be the last to know off of the Oops, I Did It Again album. Yeah. That's a definite highlight for me because even though it came out in 99 and it's a, uh, or 2000, I mean, and it's a, uh, it's an earlier showcase of her real voice. Yeah. And like you said, like, you know, she kind of got into the habit of singing in that, you know, super pronounced signature what would become her like signature Britney Spears singing voice, even though if you watch footage of her from pre pre success days, she had this incredibly emotive, uh, deeper, richer voice that I feel got left out in the process of rebuilding her voice into what it became, especially on those first, you know, couple albums or so, but on don't let me be the last to know which was written by or co-written by Robert John Mutt Lang and Shania Twain and produced by Robert John Mutt Lang. Uh, I believe it was like his, his idea to make sure that because he's a big vocal coach guy, like he's uh, mm-hmm. notable in the industry, not just for being this incredibly legendary producer who's, you know, worked with everyone from, you know, Brian Adams to Shania Twain to, yeah. uh, you know, ACDC, Def Leppard, the cars on some of their biggest records. It's mm-hmm. to say that he's, he's always a slave driver with the vocals because he himself is a vocalist and a great one. And he loves getting like, even though his productions are very processed and meticulously produced, he loves to get some soul in there, especially in the vocal department. So I believe he was the one that made sure that she would actually sing like her, like really emote, like her true voice on that song. And, it's a beautiful song. It's a really cool song. I really like that song a lot. But I also love this is this is like very much the opposite of that song, but uh, a later day hit for Britney Spears, uh, you know, Work Bitch, which is produced yeah. by Will I Am. I love that. That's probably the last Britney Spears track that I really enjoyed. I think after that was off the Britney Jean album, mm-hmm. uh, which is her second last to record. Really- did you ever listen to it breeze on me? I don't believe I have. No. I, I suggest that one. That one's good. It's a good, like flowy kind of, um, it's kind of a little bit house. Like, you know how her later albums kind of had this like, like house feel to them. Um, I actually, before, before we, um, last night when I was kind of just listening to like Britney's body of work, like skimming her body of work, I listened to the song invitation on her 2016 album. Let me see what album that was. That was glory. And it's the first song in the album. And I, I listened to the, like a bunch of songs on the rest of the album and I wasn't like obsessed with any of them, but I, the song invitation, the bass in it is like incredible. Like if you have a car where you can turn up the bass, like you're going to be transcended. Like I, I was like surprised that a, it was a Britney song, but on the other hand, um, yeah, well, I was surprised it was a Britney song, but it, it's, it's got such a, like, like a newer type of, um, age sound to it. Um, but it's definitely something I would love to, not that I really go to the club or anybody really goes to the club anymore because it's COVID. But um, it's, if you heard that song in like 
a club with like flashing lights and you know, it, it would be a good time. But uh, the bass in it is really, it's really special. It's like tweaked and, and um, modulated a lot. I suggest that you take a listen to that song later. Uh, Breathe On Me is really good. I, I loved her like poppy, like early Britney stuff, like early cutesy poppy, but obviously she wanted to evolve and, and, and go beyond that. But there's always a special part of my heart for, for Britney. And uh, it's funny because Britney came out in a time where I was sort of um, like shaping my own voice. Like I was, you know, 11, 12, 13. And uh, anytime I would be at like a birthday party, I would like, I would like do my Britney impression for everybody. And and people were like weirded out because I just would like put on like chipmunk. It, I mean, she kind of sounds like a chipmunk in most of her songs. Uh, but yeah, she's she's got she's definitely like you always know it's Britney singing in a song. As of late, I would say there's like more like auto tune and stuff over her voice, but you can always tell it's her, which is, I think, really special for any singer where you always know it's them singing. Oh yeah, uh, like any anybody who has a signature that like is dis- as distinctive as possible, I think that's that's a great thing because uh, it, it's like authenticity. You immediately know who that yeah. person is, who that artist is, and she's definitely got you know for better or worse her voice. They're the one that she curated early on and developed into uh, that signature Britney Spears voice is yeah is um. I think it's awesome. You know, there's something distinctive there. They made her, that's something that I don't hear much of in today's pop music, as far as like something distinctive in the artist. Uh, there's not a lot of artists that to me are distinctive there. There's a lot of like, it gets kind of bland and muddy because everyone's kind of sounds the same. And then the productions all kind of sound the same too. So everything just kind of sounds like ho-hum. But Britney Spears, even though she was making this super polished pop music with these songs that were written or co-written by Max Martin, regardless, her voice would always stick out like a sore thumb in the best way because, you know, she yeah. had this signature voice, the signature tone and whatever. Yeah. She, I really loved, um, I think one of my other favorite songs is Sometimes. Not only was the video just like so... Like it was so cutesy, and then like Blink One Eighty Two stole it for one of their like parody like music videos too, which was hilarious. Yeah, um, but I just thought that song was it, it kind of captured like, of course, because I was young at the time. She's like seven years older than me, maybe eight years older than me. But at the time, it just captured like the like how it was to like first like have a crush on somebody or first fall in love with somebody. And I think for me as like a songwriter and, you know, I don't know if any of you believe in like, you know, horoscopes and stuff like that, but I'm a cancer. So we're like super emotional and super sensitive. So that song at the, at my 11 year old, like self hit me in a way that I, I think I listened to that song. Maybe like uh, it has to be close to like, like maybe like a thousand, two thousand, maybe three thousand times in my life. And I'm trying to be real. I'm not trying to be like, oh my god, I've listened to it a million times. 
I'm trying to be real. I've probably listened to it a couple thousand times. And recently I, um, I, I started, I put it back on my playlist and I'll like, I'll like sing it up the stairs to my husband. And he's like, Dana, please stop. <laughs> like, he's like, Oh my God, I can't listen to this song anymore, but it comes back into my life every so often. Cause I just love that song so much. Uh, and I watch, I watched a Sabrina, the episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch where Britney was in it and they premiered the Drive Me Crazy video at the end of the, uh, at the end of the episode. And I think, I think I remember when I was younger that it was like, watch this episode to see like a clip of the premiere for the Drive Me Crazy video. And like everybody talked about it the next day. Like she was just such so something to talk about for so long. And she still is. Well, she's why we're talking about her now. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite um, Britney Spears album? Like one that you're like, I can listen to this one top to bottom. No problem. And it's a breeze. It's awesome. Probably Oops, I did it again. I think I did like so, a few like talent show like songs like used a few of those songs for talent shows when I was younger. And, uh, I really liked what song was it that she had? I think it was like, what you see is what you get. This is me. Hey, you, I, I loved that song. I think the whole, that whole album was really good. And I think the last song on that album was called dear diary. And I think, that was one of the first songs that she co-wrote, like that they let her like kind of co- co-write with, with the people doing her producing her album. And, um, I don't know. I liked that one the most. She, she kind of ascended into more of, uh, like club pop hits later instead of like that bubblegum pop, which is, I think it was a good move for her. Uh, but I still love those first two albums a lot. What about you? I'm going to have to go. Well, I think overall, like something album that I'm like, this is just from a creative standpoint, probably your strongest record from top to bottom for me, at least. And that's uh, blackout. I think blackout is so strong as, I mean, it's, it's a, it's weird because like it came out at a time where, you know, 2007 was when, you know, all this, you know, tabloids were on her back and she was going through her downward spiral uh you know and so there was all this controversy surrounding her she didn't really even you know there wasn't a lot of publicity for that album and it wasn't until she started touring for like the circus record and uh touring behind femme fatale album in 2011 that you really got to hear those songs get played out uh live And people began to go back to the Blackout album and realize, wow, like this is a hidden gem of mm-hmm. an album. And it didn't get the respects or the, the respect or the accolades that it maybe deserved back when it was originally yeah. released in 2007. But I think if you listen to that record, top to bottom, it's just such a banger. And I mean, she got Donja to produce a lot of the tracks and co-write a lot on that record. And Donja at the time was basically Timber- Timbaland's right-hand man. A lot yeah. of the- Timbaland productions were co-produced by Donja. That includes mm-hmm. like, you know, the the Loose album by Nelly Furtado, uh, the Chris Cornell record that was done in collaboration with Timbaland that many yeah. people considered an accident called Scream. Uh, the, you know, just anything involving Timbaland, 
was uh, Donja involved, but he's on the record and uh, Jim Beans is on the record and it's uh, it, the Neptunes, I believe, are on the album too. It's just, it, and it's got so many strong, it's like the dark horse, I think, in her catalog. So that that's yeah. probably my favorite Britney Spears album. If I were to hear one like from beginning to end. Circus, I loved Circus as well. I mean, I know you're talking about Blackout. Um, Circus, I remembered hearing there was controversy with her and Pink at the time because Pink was releasing like a circus-themed album. And she was like uh, really pissed that Britney like decided to do it that way. But I mean, should have talked to each other first. (laughs) Yeah, Um, they they were both working with the same collaborators during that time period as well like people like greg mm-hmm. kirsten you know um and so it, it's interesting there's a lot of parallels there yeah i um i really liked i loved the album um where i'm a slave for you is on it i'm just trying to isn't that the um that might be the britney album which is the follow-up yeah. to oops i did it again the third album. yeah i like that one too that one had and then they had like overprotected on that album. And that was around the time that she did the movie Crossroads. We can't leave out Crossroads. I don't know if you have you ever watched Crossroads? I've seen I've seen bits of it like when it was when it came out and stuff, and I remember the trailers being played and whatever on TV, but I never sat down and watched that entire film, no. It's definitely a chick flick, like by like more than I think any other movie ever was. I mean, it's just like three graduated high school senior girls going on a road trip and like finding themselves. Obviously, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman was the theme song, so you know, you know well, yeah, what? I love that song. I almost forgot about that one. That's a good one. Yeah, that one. I think that showed her vocal ability too i think those first like three albums really showed her vocal ability and then it kind of just was like they're like all right well let's just kind of she doesn't even really need to work for like as a like a singer much anymore we can just dub everything and which kind of sucks because that was like her main thing i mean she could have I mean, her her dancing ability is still insane, and she's 40 years old. Like, she's a better dancer than a lot of, you know, 19-year-olds at this point. Um, but uh, I, I don't, I mean, I, I'm sad that she had such a descent, and I'm, I'm a victim of having watched the tabloids and kind of making fun of her along with the tabloids at the time, because that's what was being fed to us. I think even in 2007, and I'm sure a lot of, I mean, I almost hate myself for this, but like 2007, I dressed up as Britney from the VMAs for Halloween, like, which is like terrible now that I think about it. Um, But I think I was, I was, I was such a Britney fan that when that happened, I was like, we were all like, how dare she have a mental breakdown at this point? Like we need her for our, but like she needed to like, she, she was going through something and we like did not take care of her. And, uh, and now that I look back at it and I've watched that, uh, documentary and I've gone through, gone down many YouTube K holes about what is going on in her life. Most of my 
my generation that watched her evolve and and fall and all that stuff um we're i mean we're all on the side of free britney now like maybe we weren't before and maybe we were terrible to her before but we were there for her now and like i on on behalf of my entire generation that was shitty to her like i'm i'm sorry because she's given us so much in music and so much to talk about to to listen to to have history for not just America, but for the world. And like anybody who has a a residency in Las Vegas is a badass. Like as if, you know, as yeah, I'm an artist, but I, I haven't gotten to that level and she's a badass for like surviving it all. So many, many props to Brittany and, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next. I hope the whole free Brittany movement goes forward for her and she's able to do what she wants. I can't wait to, to see what comes out of it. What sort of amazing things that she can do. She might be somebody like Cher who's just like everlasting. And I hope she is. Yeah. And, um, just a couple side notes, uh, or not side notes, but just a couple thoughts to add to what you were saying earlier, uh, mm-hmm. in defense to the generation that didn't really, put that much uh wasn't that sensitive towards her i I would say it's really eye-opening in the episode framing britney spears where you can see just like the disregard that some of the paparazzi had for her yeah there's an there's an eye-opening moment where they speak to one of the paparazzi guys who would do his shtick back in the day and they ask him like uh i believe it was the incident where britney spears ended up basically beating up his vehicle with an umbrella. Well, yeah, they're, they're asking him like, well, when she told you to stop and leave her alone, like, didn't you take that as like a reason to like stop and leave her alone? And she, he's like, no, because like his whole logic is like completely skewed. He's like, he's like, well, she was fine with me doing this before. So I figured like we could just keep doing this and she would let me know if, if she wasn't feeling it that day, I was like, what? But she said, stop. So why would you continue to persist? Right. It makes no sense. I was like, who is this guy? Like, right. I, I felt, I, I, I know you're talking about, I it felt angered me. Way. It angered me when he said what he said. I was like, you make no sense, dude. Like, what are you talking about? Even, even like, what was it? Not even, well, it was like 20 years ago where they were asking her like really inappropriate questions that they wouldn't ask people now. Like they bordered on, on like kind of. Misogynistic and creepy. Yeah. Like they, people would ask her about her boobs and like, they would be like, are you still a virgin? And like, why the fact that she felt she needed to answer that just shows how that generation, you know, like as if, as if she owed us that answer, but she did not at all. Like she could have just said like right now, I think people would be like, that's inappropriate. And I'm not answering that question. But back then there was some like kind of a pressure. And I remember even thinking when I was younger and I also was dumber and a preteen, but I remember being like, she should tell us like, you know what I mean? Like it was just like, it was just the way the generation 
functioned at the time. And even, even Christina Aguilera experienced that too. Um, I mean, a lot of them did. And Mandy Moore has talked about that too, as well. And Jessica Simpson just wrote like a, a tell all book about, you know, the pressures of, you know, she was a, a pastor's daughter and she was a virgin and everybody wanted to be in her business about how she was like this hot virgin. And like, that's disgusting. Like that's, that's such a, not to like be sexist in in any way, but it's like a, a, like a male driven, uh, uh, in the industry type of thing just because like they're a pretty girl like they have to be subjected to like you're either like a whore or a madonna and that's not that's not really fair and i think we're we've come to the point where we're especially having to go through this me too movement that that was so wrong to subject a young girl to that like she's she was younger than i am now And that wasn't, that was not right for like society to put on somebody who just wanted to sing and perform and make albums on stage. I can't imagine having been her at that time. Like I love singing and I love like performing. And if that was like what I had to answer to, because I loved that, I would be, I would go nuts too. Of course you would go nuts. Fuck off. (laughs) Right. And and then meanwhile, like every like Justin Timberlake and all these dudes back then are just like breezing by, no biggie, like yeah, whatever. And 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 that was another thing in the episode that again made it's like wow, like how twisted things were, like as far as like you know that stuff, and also like when it flash forwards to oh seven and all these game shows were basically just making light of her like mental instability at the time. Uh, you know, just like making a joke out of it almost like if not yeah. directly making a joke out of it. And it's just so insulting to uh, peop- to anybody who's going through mm-hmm. any sort of mental health issues for whatever reason it may be. For And for it to be publicized like that, obviously for a big star like Britney Spears to just be like turn on the TV and see all these people like yeah. on air making fun of her like condition in yeah. that moment is pretty messed up to say the I'm- least. I'm glad we've, we've, we're not there yet, but I'm glad we've grown as a society to recognize that mental illness is not something that's just like in some people and it's random and like you inherited it or something like that. Like that was that, uh, during that time, it, there was like that video of Chris Crocker that was like, leave Britney alone. And we all were like laughing and thinking it was like the funniest thing. And in right. in a way it was funny, like in, in its own little tide pool of being funny, it was funny, but he really felt for her. Cause he obviously went through something where, I mean, we don't know what he went through, but he obviously went through something where he felt like he could relate and like he was speaking on her behalf. And that was like the voice that we are all kind of trying to be now but we all made fun of 20 years ago. And I'm saying we, because I was part of it and I'm not going to deny that I wasn't part of it. I'm, I'm, I was a victim to, you know, society and tabloids and the news that was coming to me. And I'm was also young, which is not an excuse, you know, but it, it was, that's just how it was. But I'm, I'm totally on the side of, of Brittany. Like I just want her to be free and, make her music and be who she was 
always supposed to be without all these roadblocks. And I feel terrible that her father has just basically like swallowed her, her freedom and her life. And there was even something in the documentary where there was, I, I, I can't remember the wording correctly, but they, they have like a document that's stating that her conservatorship is basically a business at this point. Do you remember that part? Yeah, that's towards the end, like the last How 20 minutes. That's insane. Is that? I've never, yeah. I've ne- and, and think about it in a different way. Like, say it was like a mother that was had conservatorship over a male. Do you think that would ever even happen? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm really not trying to get into sexism or anything like that. But even her brother in the in the uh, um, in the documentary was doing a radio interview, and he was just he he was like kind of misogynistic about it too. He was like, "Well, they just do whatever they want." And the the radio host was like, "Well, it's America. Like, of course, it's a free country. She can do whatever she wants." But it seemed like he didn't think. Because she was a woman, it seems like he didn't think that she should be allowed that freedom, and maybe he was on his father's side. There was just some weird air of, of like, no, we're going to keep her down. But she's obviously one of the strong, like the strongest person in that family. Like she's made such a huge name for herself. Yes, maybe her parents helped her get there, but she doesn't. I I don't think she needs them in that regard anymore. She's not a child. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure something's going to go down at some point, and she will be liberated of this. And again, like you mentioned earlier on, she hopefully will have a career renaissance and at mm. some point and will continue to thrive into the future. So, uh, yeah. of course, wishing her the best. I'm so there for it. Free Britney. Woo! Well, so on that note, thanks everyone for listening and we really appreciate the support and, uh, for Sonic dorms that we've been getting and all the, you know, the views and listening that, uh, has been done. Uh, we really appreciate it and, uh, we hope to see you next time. Yeah. See you next time. Mm-hmm.